Welcome to this week's Hold My Drink podcast, where we navigate our political and cultural divides with a chaser of civility. We invite you to grab your favorite beverage and join us as we explore our differences and build bridges across our divisions. Welcome to this week's Hold My Drink and Counterweight podcast. Today, I have my co-host, Jeff Fullington, with me, and we have a frequent guest, Debbie Hayton. Debbie, it's so good to see you again. Thank you for joining us. I know it's late for you. Uh, are you drinking a beer? I'm drinking tea. It is late, so it's tea for me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the last time it was a beer, so I brought a beer, but it's actually it's a mango michelada which a michelada is like, I don't know, it's a weird Southern thing that we have here, but mango, chili, michelada. But I was thinking of you, Debbie. I was thinking of my audience and you didn't bring a beer, but that's okay. <laughs> Cheers to that. that. Jeff, did you bring anything to the table? I actually brought a beer, which I never drink. Um, Modelo. <laughs> it was whatever was in the fridge. <laughs> I was just in the mood for a cold beer this afternoon. So, uh, Debbie, so there's several things I know going on both in the UK and in the US, and I want to hear about the UK. But the reason, you know, I, I called you kind of frantically is there's uh, several discussions going on in the US right now. And I just wanted your measured thoughts and feedback. There's three things in particular in the US, and then I want to get to the UK. The first is the swimmer, Leah Thomas. And I want to get your feedback, but let me share with you kind of my thoughts on the the debate as it's going on in the United States and Jeff, you jump in too. So as most of us know, and if our listeners don't know, Leah Thomas is a, a trans woman. She's a swimmer who is just breaking a lot of records right now. And so a lot of people uh, are, this is women's sports and feel that there's been some, I don't know the word that I want to use, but an injustice, if you will, towards women, given that Leah has really dominated the sport. Here's my thinking on it. And then, you know, Debbie, tell me what you think. You and I have talked about this before, sports, and I loved your elegant, your elegant solution of having an all category where anyone can compete. It's it's called all. I feel that Leah has every right to swim. I love her enthusiasm for swimming. But I do have to say, as a woman, uh, I you know working. If I was working, I'm not a swimmer. But if I was working really hard in that sport to be the top of my game, I do feel that I would feel at a disadvantage, and that's where I'm at with that. So I have a lot of compassion for Leah. I, I don't like the vitriol that we're seeing towards her in the public space, particularly in the United States. And at the same time, I have a lot of compassion for the other swimmers, the female swimmer, or native female, natal female swimmers who feel that they've been kind of pushed out of their sport. What are your immediate thoughts on that? Well, I agree with you, Jennifer. It's, it's not right and it's not fair. Uh, we've never segregated sports on the basis of how people feel about themselves. Women didn't get separate categories because they felt like woman, women they gain separate categories and they need separate categories because they have a different biology, their bodies are different. And in open competition, which I think we should have, uh, women wouldn't win very much. So we need a separate female category and we need to allow women to compete in that category as females. Regarding Leah Thomas, I think Leah Thomas should be allowed to swim. I think Leah's got as much right to swim as any other person. It's uh, it's a non-contact sport is swimming by definition. And Leah could go e just as easily up and down the pool uh, with the men in open competition, if we want to call it that. And sure, let's let's record the best time for uh, a trans woman in the world this year. You know, we, we can do those things. It's not difficult. But what we shouldn't be doing is taking away what you know the places of women you know women are coming second best in their own race and their times also you know we're, we're looking at uh, who is who is the best uh, woman biological female if you want to use that term terminology we don't know it's not being recorded all we have is somebody who is recorded to have come second and i think that's wrong jeff what are your thoughts on leah i haven't <coughs> asked you so this is your thoughts are new to me 
Um, they're probably new to me too. As usual with everything else, I'm only getting a little glimpse of it through Twitter right now. So I saw the initial picture of her winning the competition and watching, looking at the picture and reading the tweets, which I'm, I'm aware of bias and spin. My impression was there was something that didn't seem quite fair about it. But then someone else made a point later that she didn't dominate everything. Like she, she came in further down in several other competitions. So there was like a more balanced picture of it. Something about it bothers me. I don't know enough about part of the problem is I don't know about, know enough about sports and I don't know enough about trans. So when you combine those two issues, I really don't know how to judge it, but a very superficial outsider looking in perspective, there's something that just didn't seem quite fair. Well, you know, they said one of the things that I, I I read said that when tested, Leah's testosterone was not really all that much off the scales. That said, testosterone aside, I mean, just her body structure. I mean, she is just she's got the shape and she's got so much more of a of a competitive. I mean, it's just she's more competitive, I think, by the her, her just her physical structure, too. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. There's a lot of information and likely misinformation running around in, 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 in that world. But you mentioned something, Debbie, and this kind of actually brings me to point number two that is in the United States. You said that, you know, we don't know who the best woman is because we haven't been able to test it for that. Here's something that's bothered me. Rachel Levine was received woman of the year. I don't, I don't want to take that. This, my feelings are very similar. I don't want to take that right away from her. I know that she has worked hard in her own right. She has, she is a pediatrician. She has done a lot of work, but a lot of her accolades that she got up now, she, she, like you, Debbie did not tran, uh, transition until later in life. So a lot of what she worked for, she got as a man. And so now for her to be named woman of the year, when the majority of her life was spent as a man, again, as a woman, I don't, I, I'm supportive of her and her transition and how she wants to live her life. But to name her best woman of the year, I mean, as a woman, I'm like, she didn't have, most of her life wasn't spent as a woman. And I know that a lot of this is maybe virtue sig signaling or trying to signal some sort of uh, openness or inclusion, which again, I'm all about that. But I don't, this, this one's sticking with me. It's, 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 I'm uncomfortable with it. Put it this way, Jennifer, if you were awarded the title of uh, top trans woman of the year, we would not be happy. And uh, we're two different groups and we should be looking separately at those two groups. And uh, it's, you know, it's when this boot was on the other foot and to try and play that mental game. Uh, you would have absolutely no right at all uh, to, uh, to win top trans woman of the year 2022. So why should a trans woman win the title of uh, a title of top woman of the year 2022? Uh, that's that's why I look at it. But again, it comes down to the fact that we're two separate groups and to conflate the two is uh, is unfair on one or possibly both. And in this case, as you say, you know, that Rachel Levine lived most uh uh, lived for so long as a man, had all that advantage, had all that advantage in upbringing and early career and career path that uh, women, uh, women didn't have that. So it's taking away those awards which have been set aside for a group which did suffer disadvantage and being taken by somebody who didn't suffer that same disadvantage. So what though, I mean, if you know, because I don't know, what is, uh, well, I, I guess I can guess. In the United States, there is this, and, and you and I have talked about this before, I think there is this debate where, again, trans women are women. You and I have talked about this all the time. And so I think someone, if they just heard what you said, they would, they would, that, that would be the argument. Well, but no, because trans women are women. And I don't know where we are able to, in our public dialogue, find that middle ground without, I mean, everything's either or. How do we find, I mean, what you gave a very elegant solution to sports. We just talked about Leah Thomas having an all division. What 
what are we missing that we could be doing better? I think we just want to fight. Honestly, I just think we just want to fight. I mean, like we'd be fighting about something else if it wasn't I, this. I, I, I do. I just feel like we're always looking for a fight. <clears throat> I mean, what are what are some of the solutions? I mean, again, I mean, it would seem simple, like let's have a best trans woman of the year. You know, uh, Debbie Xander, our friend Xander, who you've met and have been on a podcast before. I mean, he is was awarded one of the top most influential trans men of the year. I mean, there are those categories out there. There are those. Um, opportunities but i guess you know we're in that debate in america where well if you say that you're a woman then you really are a woman and i know you and i've talked about that before but do you want to weigh in a little bit on this well it's just not true this is the thing it's an assertion that's made that trans women are women but if trans women are women then women are trans women surely but, but no, we know this is not true. We know there's two sexes. We know that the two sexes are different. And anybody who doesn't believe me, I usually say, go and talk to your biological parents, both of them, because I bet you've got one of each, as we all do. We all know this. These are truths which, which we've held. But somehow this narrative's taken over that uh, it's almost like wishful thinking has taken away, has taken as, as put aside reality so if we wish for something hard enough then that must be true and we must all uh, affirm this fantasy it's but it's it's nonsense and it's causing so much harm you know you've mentioned about the women in business awards uh sorry the top women the top women awards you you've also mentioned sport i think sport is the one area where the public actually gets it very easily. There's other areas where women are losing out that uh, people don't really see the uh, issues or the, or the problems. But in sport, it's very, very obvious. And it's very difficult to sit on the fence in sport because either you think it's right for Leah Thomas to uh, compete with uh, women or you think it's not. You know, there isn't really a, there isn't really an, uh, a middle ground there. But uh, what we're told is that to think that Leah Thomas is not a woman like, like women, like other women, as it's sometimes said, uh, is a hateful thing to say and is an exclusionary thing to say. Well, it's the truth and uh, we shouldn't be frightened of the truth. And if we start denying the truth in that, in that respect, then what, where, where are we? You know, what can we rely on? You know, who, who decides what happens? Is it, do we rely on who's got the, uh, who's got the biggest influence, who can find the most supporters? You know, who's got the most followers on Twitter? You know, you know, where, where does truth lie? But I think we've got to keep coming back to science, that there are two sexes. Uh, the sexes are divided by our biology. And uh, it makes sense to divide uh, sport in terms of sex because bodies are different. And it's, it's sensible to divide uh, awards uh, such as what we said about Rachel Levine in terms of sex because, you know, women, women face disadvantage in society not because of how they feel about themselves the first disadvantage because they're they're women you're women and uh there's things that that, that women's bodies do that mine and jeff's don't and uh and those are those are things which, which we can't wish away we really can't what are you thinking i don't know if i have anything to follow that but i was <laughs> thinking of some of the earlier questions and this is really not my, like my first curiosity would be to go to the women themselves and find out what they think. I think it's less important what I think about the issue because I'm not the one being most affected by it. It's, it's the category of woman, of biological women that's being redefined. And so I'd be more concerned, like my feelings would follow theirs. Well, it, uh, I'll speak to that. <laughs> I mean, I just... Again, I'm I'm one woman, and I know that you know I'm only one voice. But exactly what I was just saying, though, I I, I don't want to dismiss the exceptional swimming of Leah Thomas. I don't want to dismiss the exceptional work of Rachel Levine, and yet, as a woman, I feel more disadvantaged in this world than I did beforehand. And so in some ways I feel is we've become a bit regressive in how we've promoted, you know, we, women have, women primarily before me, I've, I've gotten the privilege of riding on the coat, you know, coattails of my, you know, mother's generation 
that fought in my grandmother's generation that fought for our rights. But I, I can't help but to feel more disadvantaged now and more and less a part of the conversation. You feel less a part? Like, yes. Even well, as a woman? As a woman, yes. 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 And but that's not to say because again, I I want I don't I want to give all the love and all the support of the Leah's and the Rachel's in the world, but to have them compete against uh natally born women like myself, I feel there is a disadvantage that is new for women. Here's the other thing that um for me that <clears throat> I'm from the gay community. I'm gay myself. So we had trans people in the gay community. This seems like a different type of trans person. The trans people that we grew up in the gay community, they they weren't traumatized by pronoun usage. They could acknowledge that they were male, like they were once male, and now they've transitioned. There wasn't this need to deny that they were ever male or to pretend like like that is a new form of trans to me. Like this, the dead naming, the misgendering, the trauma that comes from not being treated as if you're physically female, whatever gender you think you are. That's not how the trans people that in the community I grew up with were. They, they were very grounded about it and realistic. So it, there's like a shift where now it's it, it's almost this gaslighting or this playing along with this unreality. And that that's a new element to me. That's not something I encountered growing up in the gay community. So what's changed? What do you think? I don't know. Does trans come in waves like feminism? Is this a, a second or third wave of trans activism that I'm just not familiar with? Because I had no problem with trans as I knew it coming up it's this new form of trans it's really aggressive activism it's painting everything as transphobic it's harassing and bullying people about speech and pronouns and there i was in a twitter fight last night about the issue and it was something about their dysphoria or their suicidality is what we have to look at well white middle-aged men have the highest suicide rate in the world right now, I think, and nobody's looking out for them. So why is this one minority with this one condition dysphoria that could lead to suicide in, the, in a minority of the people that have it? Why is this taking all of the societal attention and research? Why, why is the locus on all the rest of society to address their dysphoria or their suicidality? And in, in a way that no other group is like like all groups ha deal with this stuff. But why is this group getting this kind of velvet glove treatment over dysphoria and suicidality that I don't see any other groups getting? What you well, it's, it's frustrating, isn't it, Jeff? Uh, going back to what you were saying, well, what's changed? Uh, what I've noticed is a change from... Uh, Trans being something we do, we change our bodies, we change our presentation, we change, we change our names, we change the way we, we, act, we interact with society. But it's all about doing things uh, where it's been replaced by identity, who, something who we are. So in the past to be trans, you knew a trans person because they'd done something and that's what, that's what marked them out. They transitioned, uh, but they didn't, we didn't need to... Uh, we didn't need to fight about pronouns. People can use whatever pronouns they like about me. They really can. And I, I, do, I do not mind whether people call me he or she. And I, I just say, well, let people use the pronouns that they want to use to describe me. Uh, and actually, when I transitioned, what I was told was, uh, if, you were in, if you're in a group of strangers, people who don't know you, the pronouns which they choose to use about you will tell you how good a job you're making of your transition. You know, that, that's what we're told, you know, and if uh, and if they start uh, using pronouns, which you'd rather they didn't, the problem comes down to you in that you probably not put enough effort into this. Uh, that's 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 the background we came from. But we've moved from there into this culture where trans is something that you are. It's a, it's an identity. It's a, it's it's a badge. Uh, it's a badge that you collect and you you decide that you're trans, whether or not you do anything with your with your life. And rather than you having to change necessarily, what has to happen is the entire rest of society yeah. has to change. And uh, and 
the rest of society is beginning to put their foot down, I think. Certainly in the UK, you know, the society is putting their foot down and saying that this, this, is, this is nonsense. We're looking across at the US and thinking, well, at some point, the US is also going to realise this is nonsense. And my worry as a trans think? person... Well, surely at some point. I think that too, but it's not. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier. But my worry is that when, if you leave it too long, there's a backlash when you come back to reality, and the people who were sympathetic to trans people, like uh, like Jennifer's expressed, you know, and wanting the best for trans people and wanting to support trans people, are just getting so exasperated what's going on. That support is evaporating. And that's what worries me. And that's why I started campaigning on this line. I get accused of being a transphobe, a self-hater, all sorts of nonsense. But I started campaigning because I saw where this was going and thought, this is nonsense. And if this goes too far, we will suffer in the backlash. So before you actually transitioned, there was a point where you realized you were something called trans or, or something called woman. How that's the part that I'm trying to understand. It's like there's two categories of woman. There's a psychological, like mental reality, and then there's the body. I thought I transitioned. I've got to be honest here, Jeff. When I transitioned, I thought I was some kind of woman. I knew that uh, it wasn't wise to push this. I was. I was. I knew that it wasn't wise to step up for awards and such things like that as a woman, you know, that, that's, that's not going to win friends and influence people. But I honestly thought I was some kind of woman. That's, that was what the narrative told me. That was what people on the internet told me. And it seemed to make sense. I'd, I desperately wanted to be a woman for, uh, you know, throughout my life. And this sort of made sense so that I really was a woman because of some, something in here. And, uh, and I could have medical treatment to make my body match who I was. That's what I was told, and that's why I transitioned. I've changed my mind on that that uh, somewhat since then, but uh, but at the time, I genuinely I genu I genuinely thought that. I worry that uh, we've moved beyond that to the point where I was there thinking, well, although I think I'm a woman, I can really only claim that if I uh, if I go through what I thought was a transition. I had to go through mm. that transition to do that. Now it seems it's just a, a badge you can claim. You know, if any, it, you know, what we've done effectively is reduce the word woman to a feeling in a man's head. You know, that, that's what it's reduced to. So I can, I can understand why Jennifer feels, uh, you know, more vulnerable now than in the past. Do you think there's this inner archetype or, or psychological reality or platonic form called womanness that people of all genders have the potential to participate in and is is that worth labeling or identifying and honoring the reality of but it's what it's what it is none of us can know what it feels like to be anybody else the actual right. reality of our sex bodies yes that that that's that's worth uh, recording and it's worth uh, basing divisions in society on because it, it makes sense feelings i'm less sure about you know what what is this feeling uh, i said i changed my mind on a lot of things what i've what i've what i've come come around to is that uh, it comes down to the sexual dynamic between human beings uh, most of us signal to the world as our biological sex and, and seek uh, partners of the opposite sex and this is all about how you uh, you are uh, you know, ensure the propagation of the species. That's what that's what most people do. Now, some some men are uh, are uh, you know attracted to their own sex, and but it doesn't mean that they're women. Right. And uh, and some men project to the world in the same way as the opposite sex, but that doesn't mean they're women either. This is just part of the uh, part of the uh, rich tapestry of of humanity. You know, we're all different, and uh, and it's these differences that. Uh, that uh, mark us out as individuals. So, I think I think we should, you know, and uh, I, I think I think we should uh, allow people to be themselves. But we've got to do that honestly and say to trans women like me that uh, yes, you are you are biologically male. Uh, you should be, you know, we we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, come after you if you decide to wear a skirt or if you grow your hair out or you change your name or you uh, you feel that you. Uh, you know, you, pe people start using the opposite pro sex pronouns for you. Uh, but on the other hand, that needs to be kept in the context that there is a there is a greater reality that there are two sexes, 
and we don't change our sex in the process of doing that. And we need to respect the rights of the other sex uh, throughout this process so that we don't impinge on their rights. Why is that message not the one that's getting through? Because that sounds so sensible to me. I think it comes down to, uh, uh, I got into a lot of trouble for, uh, I got into a lot of trouble once for wearing this t-shirt that said, trans women are men, get over it. Uh, <laughs> and, and what year What year was this and where? It was 2019 I wore Yeah, it wasn't long ago. <laughs> and uh, and it's caused me no end, no end. It got me into all sorts of hot water to do that t-shirt. <laughs> it was uh, it was a take on Stonewall UK slogan of trans, trans women are women, get over it. And I thought, well, if you can say that, that's a political statement. I can say the opposite. But what I wanted to uh, mark out there was to say that uh, the get over it is important. And I think that what Stormer were trying to say is trans women are women and the rest of society needs to get over this. And I don't think that's true. Actually. I don't think the statement is true. Uh, trans women and men get over it was a message to us. If we get over that basic truth, then we can live with confidence and, uh, and feel secure in who we are. We're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to be women. We're not trying to be the opposite sex. And, we, and moreover, we don't rely on the affirmation of other people. People can say, I don't think you're, re I, I don't think you're really male, Debbie. And I say, well, Actually, I am. I've got three children, you know, and I know how they were produced. And, you know, I, I'm definitely a male. And uh, th so this is where I'm coming from. But one step further on from that is to say, and this, I think, is the honest truth, is that trans women are men with a psychological disorder. And, and that's a really strong statement to make. And it'd be really offensive in certain places. But just unpacking that statement. It's certainly a psychological condition. It's certainly up here. So to say it's a psychological something is, uh, is true. And the word disorder really just means it's, uh, it's something in need of treatment. We, we treat disorders and I certainly needed treatment. I needed psychotherapy and I felt I needed home, hormone therapy and eventually surgery. Uh, so to say a trans women are men with a psychological disorder is a really emotionally charged uh, statement mm. and really offensive to a lot of people. But it's only offensive if you think there's something wrong with having a disorder, whereas should there be? You know, we, we're all we're all got our peculiarities and differences. And let's face it, to be ordered means you're all standing in line like ordinal numbers one two three four five six and and I, I just don't want to do that i want to step out from the crowd and and give the choice of being ordered or disordered I, I choose disordered any day but i think we're in such a world where to say that people have disorders is just uh, it's just not acceptable and i think i think we just lost lost the plot in some ways there to say that it's perfectly acceptable to be different and uh, that's where i'm coming from and that's where i want to stay I love that. I love that because yeah, when you first start talking, I, before hearing you out, I mean, the word disorder is, I mean, it's, it's got a negative connotation, but when you place it the like way it. you did, where you're like, man, I want to be disordered versus ordered. It, it's really just the language that people are tripping up on. What do you, I don't, I even had a negative, I got being on the autism spectrum, which they call autism spectrum disorder and working in mental health. I don't like, I have PTSD too, post-traumatic stress disorder, but I don't consider them disorder. Like there's, there's something very subtle. There's a very subtle connotation about the term that I still react to, but I like your description of disorder versus order as a value. I definitely have that. Maybe we just need to find a different word that people can like feel as they less. But that's what the woke do. They keep that. That is the thing that originally turned me away from the wokeness was the way they kept playing around with language. Let me, everyone has their own idiolect. I'm on the spectrum. Quit changing things every five minutes for me and let me have my own voice and communicate what I need to communicate in my own way, even if it's not perfectly polished by your standards. So it was that fooling around with language in the first place, which started to alert me that there's something going on and, sh and kind of shift me. Well, then I think, we, okay, if you're going to stick with, if we're not going to do, I, I, I hear what you said, Jeff, but then we need to learn not to be offended. That's the big thing. Resiliency. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the angle I come at it from. 
Which again, I go back to that, like the the old wave or of trans and the new wave. They were not this fragile. They were what Debbie said, like they accepted the basic biological reality, and then then within that, they understood that they felt psychologically a woman. But but it didn't. The reality that there was a biological basis it didn't traumatize them or cause them to break down, like. They do today so it's it's that resiliency to me using the wrong pronoun your mental health and your psychic integrity should not depend on a stranger using the right pronoun like that that bothers me more than the dysphoria or any other issue from a mental health perspective that's the first thing i would want to address is building some resiliency and some like personal agency around this so you're not at the mercy of everyone else's language use yeah, what sort of freedom is that to be relying on other people's other people's language for your own well-being? And what's what's more than that is uh, actually be, actually trying to convince yourself that the other people actually believe what they're actually speaking as well, because uh, that's what it comes down to. When when I transitioned, as I said, I did think that I was some kind of woman. I thought that was the reason for it, but I couldn't. I could never properly justify it to myself. I thought I had some sort of it's being described as a gendered soul some some chemicals in my but it can't be uh, some chemicals in my brain but it can't be uh, identified it can't be picked out as this proves this so all the time you're relying on what you'd really want to be true and I never got much security in that I I, I claim that I was a woman and to be secure in myself, I had to uh, I had to have other people say that to and affirm that, and um, I had to believe that other people believed it. And it's nowhere. To, it, it really was nowhere to live. I can think back to that. Whereas now, I'm quite happy in who I am, and what other people think doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't bother me too much. If if uh, if if other people are uh, thinking really negative things about me, I feel I'm, I feel I'm in physical danger. I'll, I'll get out the situation. But we're not talking about that sort of lack of safety. We're just talking about people's thoughts, and uh, I, I'm I'm possibly in the minority of trans people thinking like this. I don't know. You know, trying trying to trying trying to get a trying to get a poll of trans people is really difficult but what I would always say to other trans people who think differently to me uh, think how I used to think is your philosophy seems to cause you uh, stress you're forever worrying about what other people think about you it's causing your mental health to deteriorate whereas my philosophy has given me security it's given me sound mental health I really don't care what other people think about me who has the best philosophy in which to build their lives on doesn't matter well you know and that goes beyond what is true or not it's what is the most effective and uh, I wouldn't swap places with them and it goes beyond even the trans issue, of course. It, you wouldn't believe the resistance I get when I suggest the possibility that they don't have to be a victim all the time. It's like they fight me to stay a victim. They don't want this awareness that they can have some kind of agency over it. And so I almost have to fight them to well, over with just the idea of, of being self-empowered. And yeah. I think yeah. one thing you oh sorry <laughs> go ahead. No, it's just agreeing with you, Jeff. I think uh, victim victimhood is ne is negative, and it in, and it turns us into right. victims. I, I think the fragility now is a symptom of something larger that's called victimhood that that they they are just co committed to remaining in, and like they they do it with racism, um, like all any form of oppression is a, they experience as a form of victimhood and they fight to stay in it. They, they don't want the hand out of it. Well, I think that's a form of power though, too, right? Victimhood yeah. has become, become a form of power, a new form of power. Yeah. I think that's what like, yeah. At least in the U United States. So I don't fight. Like if I say, Hey, you don't have to be at the mercy of like all this stuff. You can have some, and they start fighting me. I leave them alone. But I think you, you, it was interesting to hear you describe trans because i think it highlights the difference that i've been trying to identify between the between gay and trans the g and the t growing up gay we were told it's just a phase it's in your head it's not a real like we knew that it was a real thing regardless of what society said about it and trans seems to be the opposite it seems to be something that you think is true but you need society to affirm 
for it to really be true. And gay was true despite all the opposite things society was saying. And, and it's the element, the thing that keeps me from tr truly understanding trans, I think, is that collaboration with society that it requires as opposed to like, I know gay is an identity that I was I, like, I was stuck with it, whether society liked it, thought it was real, didn't think it was real, thought I would grow out of it. I knew inside it was independent of any opinion of society. So it's interesting to hear trans described as almost the opposite. So what did, what did I say, Jeff, to say that you thought it was it was the opposite to that? Well, when you uh, were when you were saying how you you were convinced you were a woman, but you needed right. society, like you needed yeah. to know from society that that was true. Yeah, yeah. To be convinced, I, I yes, that that's and I I never needed common. society no, no, to no. validate no. that I was gay. I knew it regardless of yeah. whether another single person ever agreed with it. No, that that's fair comment. I think the uh, the urge to change my body and present in the way I do uh, went back to when I was when I was really young. When when it was when it just was not a, when it was not a possibility. It was something I could live with, but it does right. go back a long, long way. But uh, I think it's the language which we lack to actually describe what's going on there. This idea that we're born in the wrong body is such a simple. Con, it's such a simple statement, which was to describe, you know, describe what uh, was going on. But that somehow became uh, a, a definition of what was going on. You know, a descriptive, a descriptive term became a definitive term. And I don't, I don't think that's helpful. There is definitely something there. It's something which I'm exploring in my writing at the moment. You know, what's going on there? But we're not the opposite sex. And that's what uh, that's that's what we're lacking. But I just want to go back to what you were saying before about language, actually. And uh, this is the issue that you're talking about: people changing language. Now we we're aware that uh, our thoughts uh, our thoughts develop language, but also language develops thoughts as well. And if we don't have the words to think something, then it's really difficult to think it. And that's what worries me with the change of language, because when you change language, you do change the way people think. Mm -hmm. And uh, words have had their meanings changed in the last, well, 10 years. And people's thinking has changed. And this is huge power over people. And, uh, and no <clears throat> wonder people are enjoying doing this. If you can change the way that everybody thinks, whoa, you know, there's a, yeah, I can understand why people are trying to do this. I still don't understand how it's happening. But. Well, but give some, I would love some, like, uh, Debbie, if you've got, I, I agree with you. I'm hearing you. What are some examples? I mean, for me, what I'm hearing when you say that, I see the way we have used slogan words to change and to to reorient whole conversations and whole social dynamics. Is there something in particular that you're thinking of when you talk about how we've changed language and it's effectively changed how people think. Well, the term the term gender identity, mm. you know, it was it was invented in 1964 by a U.S. Uh, psychiatrist, just mm. as a, as a as a descriptive term. It, it, it sits with gender identity, you know, the disorder, Jeff. Gender identity disorder, you know, an identity disorder linked to gender. But this, this has taken on new meaning. You know, th this idea of gender identity has got to the point where everybody, well, not everybody, I don't, but where lots of people think we have a gender identity because this term has been, uh, has been created. Without the term, we wouldn't think that. Now, you could argue, well, it's, it's harmless, I guess. But what it's doing is it's displacing biological sex as a way in which we differentiate between men and women to the point where people uh, feel it's wrong to try and, uh, as, as Jennifer was saying before, for, uh, for women to say, it. look, I think it's, you know, it, it's wrong for Leah Thomas to compete alongside women. I think it's wrong for Lechel Levine to be, to be honored as a, as a top woman of the year. And uh, so it's that, you know, gender identity is an obvious one, which is just, come into our language and there is no proof of this you know state legislatures uh, legislatives have, have enshrined it into legislation but there is not a single jot of proof that any of us have a gender identity and yet everybody believes it it's just it's just madness mm. is there a way to 
demarcate it from biology or keep it from displacing biology so we can have the conversations about what seems like two different things? Because you acknowledged that there's something there. You're trying to figure it out. You're not sure what it is, but th there's something in the brain that, that gives this sense of what they're calling gender identity. But if we're going to keep having the fight over biology, mind, the brain, is there a way to stop the displacement so we can still have the body and discuss what this other thing might be, whether it's biological or a soul or whatever? Well, we've not been very successful so far, and uh, it's it's starting to displace uh, it's starting to displace biological biological sex as a way of de determining between men and women. I think. <laughs> The problem is, is that that big distinction in society, in, in human society between men and women, between the two sexes is important. And gender identity has actually claimed that for its own to say, no, this is the way we should, should uh, distinguish between uh, men and women, not by biological sex. Can we do it both ways? I don't think we can. And what's more is I don't think we need to. I think we should just uh, accept that within each sex, there's a range of personalities, there's a, there's People can be attracted to their own sex as well as they can be attracted to the opposite sex. And they can also, they can also have a compulsion, because that's how I felt it as a compulsion, to present in the same way as the opposite sex. Uh, but in the, in the same way as a, as, a, as a sexual orientation to your own sex doesn't change your sex, having this uh, compulsion to present as the opposite sex doesn't change your sex either. And that's what that's what we need to make clear. But that's where I come up with lots of resistance when I say it, and I'm called all sorts of names for saying it. But that's just what I think is the truth. And I do think that trans people, especially, would be in a much securer position if we accepted that truth, that, because uh, it 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 doesn't rely on other people's uh, affirmation. It seems like the tr all the trans people I know seems like they did. That's why I'm saying that this seems like a new thing, that all of a sudden that truth is, is something to battle or reject because my whole life was what you just described. Pe the trans people did accept that basic reality. Yeah, and uh, something's changed. And to actually, uh, if, if you believed it once, even to be uh, believing it now, if you still do, uh, is one thing. But to actually speak it is 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 really, really? difficult. Oh God! Well, <laughs> I, 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 well, the 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 pushback which I get from saying that actually trans women are male, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not the opposite yeah. sex. We're not female, so we're not the same as Jennifer. I say that, <clears throat> and the pushback I get is is enormous. My employer gets gets my employer receives communications about me. Uh, I'm a hateful person. I shouldn't be uh, working there because I, you know, have you seen what Debbie Hayton's been saying about this? And uh, I'm relying on my employer basically to stand by I me. Mean, and they have done. Other people's employers have terminated their contracts because they don't want seem to be uh uh employing people with these views it, it's really sinister it's it's a shift from truth to power because you talked about like I like that figuring out what the phenomena is and exploring and fun and and they're talking about using it as a path to power because justice is founded on power it's a and not truth so we start out as the quest for truth and somewhere along the way they're like no we're not so much interested as interested in truth as we are in power even we're calling it justice but it's power that we're after to achieve the justice or redress the injustice and so there, there there's this shift at some point away from finding out what it is to kind of insisting on what it is and trying to gain power with it and that's the part that's the part of the process I've been trying to trace for like years now. How is that happening? It's happening in the academies with really smart, intelligent people, I'm assuming. At least that's what was in the academies when I was in it. How is it slipping through? I just want to say, Jack, that that link you that that uh, link from truth to power, shift from truth to truth to power. I'd not thought of that before in that uh, so simply as that. That is so true.
Uh, so I just want just want to say thanks for bringing that's that up. That's what it seemed like that, to me. That's that made me think. And do people value power more than they value the truth? And uh, I think many people do. I don't. I uh, I don't either. I <laughs> But is that is that the distinction that we should be looking at? Is what what is most important to you? Is it truth or is it power? Yeah. But trying to get people to admit that that's that's more tricky. But does the search for truth, is it because there is a an, an injustice? And so there's a search in part also for justice, but as part of that, and we still haven't defined why, that turns into a search for power. And so yeah. justice gets conflated between both truth and power. Is that, am I hearing you right? I, I think maybe in the face of, injustice or where they perceive as injustice truth gets sacrificed to power because it's so critical to alleviate the injustice so it's like the priorities or the values change mm -hmm. from truth or determining reality to rescuing or, or saving this this person that's in danger or distress Th that doesn't require truth it requires some form of power but I don't know if if the power is developing as a response to the injustice or if the injustice is being created as an opportunity to gain power or, or maybe both. Or I was going to say maybe both. Maybe it's a little bit both. Maybe it started one way and then it. Yeah. And there is power in being a victim, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Uh, I uh, there, there was Dave Chappelle, who uh, the comedian who has got himself into an awful lot of hot water over this. Uh, I, I really liked his uh, his closer routine when he was talking about punching up and punching down in that it's more acceptable to be punching up than it is punching down. And to identify as trans gives people who, are, who have got a lot of privilege in society naturally mm -hmm. uh, the illusion of punching up from a position of victimhood when really they're punching down because they still have the status and they still have the privilege which they've not been able to uh, to jettison. And I think there's, some, there's, there's something in that. Uh, I think sometimes when you watch, watch comedians at work, there is, uh, you learn an awful, you learn an awful lot from them. Uh, you know, the, if the link between, the, the boundary between uh, comedy and philosophy is sometimes very blurred. Uh -huh. <clears throat> uh, not to, to go back to, I love this, the, the philosophical talk, but I wanted, you said something earlier, Debbie, that I wanted to go back to of what was happening in the UK and how you were kind of looking back on the US and saying, maybe they'll, they'll figure it out. So give us a, a, a lowdown of, of the conversation that's happening in the UK around trans issues and the, the political shifts that are happening. Well, what's ha what's happened in the UK is that the uh, the government at Westminster, that's the that's the UK government, has decided not to uh, not not to go down the path of anybody can self declare their gender, i.e., their legal sex. They're retaining medical evidence as a as a as a medical evidence as part of the process. So if you want to change the sex marked on your birth certificate, create a legal fiction, as it were, and that's, that's another uh, thing I get into trouble for saying, but it's the truth. Uh, create that legal fiction. You need to provide medical evidence of need to do it. You can't just do it because you want to do it. So the government's decided that. But at the same time, uh, it has caused divisions in politics where other, other, part, other politicians feel that uh, it's... Uh, it's an affront to trans people and uh, it's, it's hateful and bigoted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that's taken place across party lines. It's not, it, it's, it's not, uh, it, you know, it's not a partisan thing. Uh, to some extent it is, I gather that, but it's not like it, I view in the US where it's, it's more divided. So there are, there are people on the left in, in Britain who are, uh, you know, who I think are sound on this. And there's people on the right wing of politics who are just uh, off with the trans women and women camp. So it's split across there. But what's happening is, is that uh, it has been, uh, it, it's, it's an issue that we can talk about. And politicians are asked about this. Politicians will go into a studio and be expected to talk about the, uh, you know, the, uh, 
you know, the situation in the Ukraine or the state of the economy or, uh, you know, the what, whatever. And they're going to be asked. And by the way, what's a woman? And they know they're going to be look ridiculous if they can't yeah. answer it. And the convoluted uh, statements which they come out with are just are just bizarre. Anyhow, our prime minister, not that I've got a lot of time for him. You know, I don't, uh, uh, Boris, I, 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 I yes, I, I don't have much time for him. But actually, the dispatch box in the House of Commons actually came out with the fact that uh, when it comes to a distinguishing between men and women, that biology is still, what did he say? Bio biology was still overwhelmingly important. Well, I'd say it was incredibly important, but to say that was just, uh, so that's where, that's where we are. And it's causing, it's causing the discussion to come away from the margins of social media and actually into the mainstream. And uh, that, that encourages me. But at the same time, we have other uh, other other politicians who seem to be just digging their heels in. And the other thing that's interesting is in Scotland, which has got a lot of there's, there's Scotland has a has a significant self -govern, uh, self governing powers. Their own parliament has got a lot of devolved uh, powers. They have the right separately to. Uh, uh, to decide on gender recognition for some oh. reason it's a it's a devolved matter and they're taking a different line on this which is which is uh really bizarre how that how that works but uh going back to what jennifer was saying about what's happening in the uk it is it is at the front of uh politics when a, when a when a politician goes into a studio they are regularly asked this question and uh when they can't answer it you know they are uh, they are put through the mangle a bit and uh, and that I think may that I think is making people think twice about what's really going on. Why take a position you can't defend unnecessarily? And I I'm just hoping that more and more people are beginning to see this because it is unnecessary. You can uh, you can protect the rights of gender non-conforming people. You can protect trans people's rights without pretending that we're something we're not. What bothers me. So what bothers me as a trans person is the fact I'm trans, uh, I, I, I'm bothered about being treated less favorably, I'm bothered about being dismissed from my job for this, I'm bothered about being denied goods and services, I'm bothered about being uh, possibly abused in the street for being trans, and I've got legal rights in all cases, so if I do get treated less favorably, I can take legal action against somebody for doing that. If I, uh, if I get abused in the street, it's a uh, transgender, I think the term is transgender identity that the courts use here. It's an aggravating factor in hate crime. So we've got lots of rights, uh, which we can defend. But I don't think it's helpful to then to go on and claim a status which we don't have. And I worry that that's, uh, that's uh, going to have a negative effect. So I'm quite keen to return to reality. And then we all know where we stand and we can all agree on uh, uh, agree on the truth, uh, to use that word again, and then we can move on confident with each other. Uh, but until we, while we're still trying to uh, debate feelings, then I just don't see we're going to get there. And uh, I worry that at the moment, trans people seem to seem to be able to get whatever we want. Yeah, and people give in rather than upset that, us. Yeah. You don't don't want to upset the trans. Well, because uh, they're going to. It's the suicide. Well, yeah, the suicide, but I always want to know is, are there any control? Where do these figures come from on the suicides? You know, the, we, we hear this banded around, but where do the figures come from? Are, this, are, they, are they properly controlled studies or are they self-reported polls? Where does it come from? We don't know. Has there been, the interesting one is, has there been any studies of suicidal, in, in suicidal, suicidal thoughts before transition and after transition, and does it get any better? And the studies I've seen suggest that it doesn't really. Uh, the, there's perhaps uh, people with mental uh, health conditions who struggle with uh, struggle with suicidal thoughts, still struggle with it. Trans just transition help, but we hear this about oh suicide. But I think I think we need to uh, we need to. Uh, a, you know, we, we need to call out the claims to say, where does this come from? And if, and if it really is an issue there, then some proper controlled studies need to be done of trans people 
before transition, after transition, look at different types of trans people, people who have been through a full medical transition and surgical transition, people who haven't, and then compare us with a properly controlled study uh, of the general population, you know, gen uh, sorry, a properly controlled group from the general population. As far as I'm aware, that study's never been done and it needs to be done. If this is a problem, this needs to be done. And until it is done, we've got to treat with suspicion those claims. I think, um, we, you, again, we go back to truth. They're, they're bypassing the truth part of the process and going right to the, the power part. But when you talked about returning to, like, stop talking about feelings and return back to a truth, I, I think those days are gone. I think it's what Jennifer said. If, if and when this gets resolved, we're going to be fighting about something else. I, I think this is the new norm. I've seen it happen with so many issues since COVID. It's one, one thing after another that we're just going to be fighting over the truth over, the feelings over. It, 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 this looks like the near or long-term future, at least the way social media and, and the world is currently networked, that we're just going to be fighting all the time about something. Yeah. And it's and it's moved from uh, and it's moved to identity in all those areas. You mentioned COVID. Yeah. Society differs on how we should respond to COVID. And you yeah. identify with a group. And if you uh, if, if other people share your ideas, they're good people. And if they disagree with you, they're bad people. In the UK, we had a similar one over our relationship with the uh, U European Union. Oh, the Brexit. You know, yeah, the Brexit thing yep. was similar. You were either a you were either leaver or a remainer, and if there was and if there was another person who was in your camp, you had to uh, agree with them. The growing up, the only thing that comes close to this actually was was following soccer teams. You know, you you know, you, you were watching your soccer team, and they were your team. And uh, if anybody else was supported your team, they were your friend. And and anybody who supported the other team, they you know, and that that's it's that sort of mentality that seems to have you know, taken over. And I just yeah. don't think it's, I, I, you know, it, it was, it was, it was never helpful watching, uh, watching soccer really, you know, to, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been there. I've watched my team because I don't, you know, I, 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 I've watched, you know, I've, I, I enjoy baseball. When I'm in the US, I'll go and catch a baseball game. And uh, I don't see the same issues there. People will sit and uh, maybe there'll be some banter if there's somebody who supports who the team is watching, but it doesn't seem that. Whereas in soccer, if, you know, I support, you know, if my team was playing elsewhere, then you're supposed to watch from your own pen, you know, where you says, if you buy, if you just buy a general ticket and sit with the home supporters, you're not supposed to uh, admit to who you support. And if you do, the police will escort you out of the ground because, uh, yeah, for your own safety, you know, that, that's, that's the rule. So uh, I'm sat there, you know, with, with all the, with all the, uh, other supporters my team scores the goal uh my fellow supporters down the far end all go bananas everybody else is sitting in stony first silence but me being me i can sit in stony first silence as well and just 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 love the reaction from around me so that's that's me but i just think why should it be like that you know why why should we why should we get there so but if we do that over soccer in the uk then uh i can see how it's 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 arrived in politics and I think it's, I just think it's so destructive. You know, we should be debating ideas rather than hmm. people. I think those days are gone. And it's like we're re-tribal, like we, we're tribal, we know we're tribal, but civilization kind of lifted us out of that or, or expanded that into something larger. And social media, it seems to be re-tribalizing us. And I watch those lines move almost every week, if not every month, like there's some issue that's splitting the social media community. And it's not always the same split or the same people on each side every time. So it's just going to be this constant series of, of issues that keep dividing and splitting. And I've just learned to kind of try to stay above it all. And meanwhile, existential crisis, like wars in Ukraine. Right. You know. Yep. Which I've already, like, I think a lot of people have already stopped watching that because, like, new issues have come on the page since that. I don't watch it as much as I used to. It, it just, like, every week a page is turned and there's something new to divide over. 
And no matter how serious the, the week before was, it always gets displaced by, like, I know we're at war with Ukraine, like Russia's and Ukraine and all that, and that was dominating my social media. But now it's trans stuff. Every time I pull up social media, all they're talking about is the trans stuff. Yeah, Leah, that's why, you know, I wanted to talk with Debbie. I mean, Leah and Rachel have really taken on a lot of the, um, at least in America, you know, taking a lot of the, dominated the, the, the headlines. So, okay, Debbie, I want to end on, on a positive note. Tell us like your greatest, and it doesn't have to be anything related to your gender identity. Tell us like your greatest, latest victory in in your world there in the uk oh personally yeah uh you floored me for the moment uh <laughs> I, I want but i want to keep it away from this gender nonsense yeah uh it because it, it can take over and it and it and it does take over but uh the the big the big change here in my in, in my life recently is that my partner got a new job and we've moved to uh We've, we've, we've moved cities in, in, in the UK and uh, we're settling in where we are. And it's just something that, because uh, I'm now 54, go back two years, I thought I would be following exactly the same path through to retirement. I thought it'd be in my present job until, I'm, uh, until I was six, until, until I could afford to retire. Uh, but she got a new job elsewhere. We've moved, and life is moving. Life is mo life is moving on, which is it's really exciting to be doing something something new and not counting down the days to retirement, which I was just about on the uh, on the edge of. Whereas now, I think there's a, there's a new there's a new phase starting here. Well, is, is wow. that why you were traveling today? Are you? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm still working. I'm still working in the old uh, in the old place. So I'm uh, I'm living in one place, and then and then uh, then I'm I'm, tra I'm traveling for the week too. But I'm only doing that until until the summer. Then that's that's finished. That's awesome, Jeff. Any last thoughts or questions from you? Uh, well, me, no, this has been great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for, for sharing your time to talk about the crazy of the world in the U.S. and even giving us that perspective also from the U.K. That's I hadn't been keeping up. You know, we get so crazy with Leah Thomas and Rachel Levine here that it seems like the whole other world gets blotted out. So that was. I great. I'm grateful for you. Thank you. You, you do sound hopeful, though, if I'm not mistaken, more hopeful than. Me or Debbie? Um, Debbie, mm. about things turning around and maybe getting back to truth. Well, if I if I lost hope in this, then what what what's <laughs> what's the point, really? I I I wouldn't give up hope. Whether whether I'm whether it's a sensible whether it's a realistic position to take, I don't. Oh, know. I was so, I was thinking I, it was I, realistic. I'm going to pretend like it was. <laughs> well, I I think I think it is. Uh, but I, I never I never give up. The one thing because go back five years on the I, I was talking about the the uh, the UK government and not not bringing in self identification when they first mentioned it six years ago, five years ago. We we campaigned myself and a few of the trans people lots of women's groups some women's groups we campaigned against it and we uh, at the time in 2016 2017 2018 uh, well I can't speak for others but what my feeling was was it's important to do the right thing and campaign for the right thing uh, we'll lose but uh, at least we've made our point and perhaps in years to come people will think well it wasn't the, the, at least there was opposition at the time Whereas that was five years ago. Now the government isn't doing this. Not not in not in England, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Anyway, Scotland is alone to itself on this. But in England, Wales, and Northern Ireland, uh, it's not happening. So we've gone from five years ago that position of thinking, well, we're going to fight this uh, fight this battle. It'll be a valiant defeat. To uh, thinking we've actually uh, we've actually won this. You know, so things have moved there, and there's no reason they can't keep moving. But uh, I'm under no illusions that uh, just because something has moved in that direction, I'll keep moving in that direction. But I'll keep pushing. See, Jeff, there is hope for us on this side of the pond. Well, <laughs> I hope. 
<laughs> thank you thank you debbie that that does sound the basis for some kind of realistic hope i just wish there were more we could do like i knew what else to do maybe we could do another episode and talk about solutions i, th I think there's two things one just say what you think without oh, worrying about other people think about you and the other thing i always say to people is <laughs> talk to people in real life it's there that and, and i do I talk to as many people in real life about this as I can. On social media, you end up preaching to the converted and annoying the annoying mm -hmm. your opponents. Whereas in real life, you can talk to people who have not heard much about this at all. And that's where you can have a real influence. Yeah, Jeff has no problem saying his mind and talking to people in real life. That's why we're, we're grateful that you joined us. And Zooming. Oh, Jennifer, I guess mm. we should mention that we have a discord community now for all of our hold my drink listeners and viewers so you can contact me or jennifer or, or one of the team for an invite and we're starting to do tuesday evenings i think they're at 6 p.m eastern um live discussions on the topic of this week's podcast so next tuesday we'll have a live discussion on this issue and debbie you're invited to participate if you Thank want you. i know it's late there debbie's a night owl 11 p.m. is not too bad. That's yeah. Oh, well, then we'll, six, send you, six, we'll send you an invite. Yeah. Six, 6 p.m. Eastern is fine. It's when it's 6 p.m. Pacific, it gets difficult. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can't stay up like you do, Debbie, but 6 p.m. I can do on my time. So, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Debbie. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hold My Drink. Like or subscribe to the show and check out the show notes to see what each of us is reading. Different news with different views. You can find us at holdmydrinkpodcast.com, all major podcast platforms, and on YouTube. Or subscribe on Substack at truthinbetween.substack.com so you never miss an issue. If you want to join our Discord community, drop us a line. And until next week, may your conversations be constructive and your divisions diminished. Cheers. <laughs>